praise you, Lord. Just let the band play for a little. I just want us to focus on who he is to us. Who is he to you? Is he your Jehovah Jireh, your provider? Is he your Lord and your King? Is he your everything today? Father, if there's anyone who does not know you here as their Savior, as their Lord and their King, God, I pray that they would sense your presence in this place. I pray that they would sense your love and your drawing them to you. God, you delight in us. You lavish your love upon us. We are your beloved. Lord, it is not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life, that all will know you for who you are, who you really are, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you. Because of who you are. 
our good, good Father. I've heard a thousand stories of one they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the day. It's who you are. It's who. 
just sang. You just sang some powerful words. Verb, would you turn the house lights up, please? Would you turn the house lights up? You just sang some powerful words. I'm, I'm talking about powerful. I just need to remind you that you really need to let those words sink into your into your heart and into your spirit. He is perfect in all of his ways toward us. That's what makes him a good good father. those of you who may not know these two girls on the end are my daughters and and if you were to ask them if I was a good daddy they would tell you yes they love their daddy I know they love their daddy now if you ask them if I was perfect in all of my ways toward them and they were truthful they would say no I just wasn't I wasn't perfect in all of my ways I did the best I could and I did what I thought was right but the truth of the matter is I wasn't perfect as a father Our Heavenly Father is perfect in all of His ways toward us. You're not getting this because you're not nearly excited enough about the idea that your Heavenly Father is perfect to you in all of His ways. Do you understand? Do you, do you know? You understand? Do you know how what that does to you when you get up in the morning and you walk out your front door? That your heavenly Father is perfect in all of His ways towards you that day. Oh my goodness! How powerful is that? How amazing is that to come to that understanding and say? Father, no matter what goes on in my day-to-day, -day, no, ma no matter what transpires, you are being perfect to me. Whew. That takes the pressure off. That takes the pressure off. Now I can just walk with him. Now I can just trust that whatever he says to me, whatever he leads me to do, it's perfect. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word that says that you are perfect toward us in all of your ways. We glorify you. We magnify you. We praise you for that. You said if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask. Thank you, Father.
for being perfect in all your ways. Father, we just, it just helps us to understand a little bit more about who you are and why you will provide for us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to fret. Why? Because you're perfect to us. And so right now, Father, as we as we give to you, and your word says that we should give cheerfully and we should give generously into the kingdom of God. Father, we can dig deep. We can, we can do more than we ever thought we could do. We could do more than... We could just... Because we can trust you. You are Jehovah Jireh. Why? Because you're perfect to us in all of your ways. So receive our tithes and offerings and gifts this morning as an act of worship and an act of trust in a God, in a Father that we know is perfect in all of his ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, good morning. We're going we're gonna to do things a little bit differently this morning. Um, you know, we've been, we've been preaching on the high calling of God. Uh, coming out of the verse in Scripture where it says, um, He has, you know, we're a chosen people, we're a royal priesthood. We, are, um, we have been called out of darkness into His wonderful light. 
And uh, that is the highest calling that God puts upon us. He's, he's a, he calls us out of that darkness and brings us into his wonderful light. And it's good to be in the light. It's good to, to know that we're no longer in darkness, but we're in light. And then we've been talking about some of the other things that God has called us to. We've been called to a holy life, uh, the Bible says. We've been called to, uh, we've been called to hope which we preached about last week. And there's a couple more that we, the Bible says we've been called to. One of them is that we've been called to freedom. We've been called to freedom. And I was having a conversation with my, I have a lot of conversations with my brother Richard, but I was having a conversation with him the other day, and he was talking a little bit about his background and some of the things that he came out of that were a, a, a it was an atmosphere of uh, intense legalism and, and bondage. And... Uh, he said the, one of the things that he had to be careful of when he came out of that was that he didn't jump to the other extreme and get in bondage there as well. And I thought to myself, what a unique perspective that he might be able to give us on this concept of being called to freedom. And so I've asked Brother Richard to preach to us this morning on the subject, called to be free. But before he comes, uh, we have a video that we would like to, uh, we'd like to play, and then Brother Richard will come and break the word for us. Okay. If you've been walking the same old road. So Chainbreaker's a song that I wrote on the last day of a four-day riding trip. It was a first meeting with uh, Mia Fields. And I just remember sharing my story with her and Jonathan Smith. And out of that conversation, Chainbreaker was kind of mentioned. Uh, I'd been doing prison ministry at my church. And I thought, what a cool title. You know, what an awesome thing to say about what God's doing in my life and what He can do in other people's lives. I remember immediately after writing it and demoing it out that it was special and that there was going to be something about this song that could really speak to people. Really, the song relates to me on so many levels. I'm thinking about the first verse. It says, if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, that was just, that was such a part of my life for years, just dead end road after dead end road. And just hearing this voice in my head that said, you know, you're not gonna make it, you know. Everything you've ever tried to do, you, you get to the end of it and you fail at it. And so for that, that was just a really personal lyric for me, uh, knowing that I have and I've conquered it, but it's been through Jesus and not on my own doing. Uh, when I was lost, he was a way maker. When I had pain, he took it away. Uh, and he broke all those chains that I had basically given myself. Just looking back and thinking of all the things I struggled with throughout my life and writing this song, I realized that, you know, not only can Jesus break my chains, but if you're struggling with addictions or just own personal hang-ups, He can break those chains. All you have to do is surrender your life to Him. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker 
Yes, indeedy. It's exactly who he is and how he is. I know when he came down upon me many years ago, it was powerful and it was riveting and it was engaging and it was chain breaking because I couldn't break the power of drink. I couldn't break the power of addiction. But one encounter in seconds with God himself, that weight lifted and I was free. And I've been preaching free ever since, even though, as Pastor Larry was saying, I was involved in a church that taught me how to be free while I carried shackles on me. You hear that? Free. I was free to minister. My God was a miracle-working God. I didn't ask Him to do miracles. He just did them. I would talk, and, and awesomeness would happen. But in the group that I grew up in, which was a very, very plain setting, they, they were righteous, 
They, they tried to do what they knew. They were interested in truth. They just had a different approach. And when they got done making me what is considered a primo Christian, I woke up one day and realized I didn't have any power and authority anymore. You know how I knew that? I was sitting here at the shop, and I could confront people. It was easy because the power of God and the Spirit of God would just pour through me. And I wouldn't even have to think of what to say when I was engaged in conversation. But there was one day a guy walked in, and I don't know much about demons, but I'm saying if, if I believed that he was demonically oppressed, that would have to be the one. Now, I've dealt with demons, but I'll tell you one thing. This encounter was different because I think God wanted me to learn something that afternoon. When this man walked in, he was full of hate. He was full of anger. I think he sensed I was a Christian because it didn't go too good after that. And uh, when he cleared the threshold of my shop there at the doorway, I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting. This man began to blaspheme. This man began to speak of things of death. This man began to speak of, of everything that is degraded in the sight of my God. And I rose up like Samson. I rose up like Samson. Because, see, I had went out often before, and I could encounter and engage this. So I went out and shook myself out of my slumber and went to engage him like I usually would have done. And guess what happened? I opened my mouth, but nothing came out. I backed up. I'm like, whoa, that was interesting. And I launched forward again. Nothing came out. Three times I tried to engage this man, and three times nothing came out. I realized I was in trouble. I realized I was in trouble. I went back and talked to the bishop of my church. I says, I think I got a problem. I says, I think I'm in trouble. I says, because I look real good. I says, and, and I live right. I said, it's not a problem that I'm, I'm hiding secret sin. I said, but this man was in the shop and I could not engage him. And I says, I think I need to go and find what I lost. He says, you'll be okay. Just settle down, you'll be okay. But you know what? There was a haunting in my heart. Something wasn't okay. Because I want to tell you something. Once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is powerful, once you've tasted and seen that the Lord confirms His Word, He puts a hunger in you that you don't ever lose. So I went back. Me and Allie counted it. I've been on almost a 20-year trip and 15 solid years of coming back to where I believe I lost the power and the authority of the Almighty. God was gracious. He was gracious that day. What a wake-up call. Most of us slumber and go to sleep and we never wake up. I've seen that in the church I grew up in. They sleep. I go back to visit some of the old people. You know, they're good people, but I don't believe they grew not that much. It's the same worn-out lines. It's the same... Same old, same old. Well, okay, good. We want to look at this subject of freedom this morning. You know, as I began to look into this, it wasn't too long till I started to realize I was going to have a problem. I was going to have a problem because the more I looked at freedom, the more the word choice kept coming up. The more the word choosing kept coming up. 
And I finally decided that freedom and choice go hand in hand. And I believe the Word bears that out. You know, way back in the Garden of Eden, God put two trees in the garden. I'm sure He put more because He says every green thing, Adam and Eve, you can eat. But that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you stay away from. Way back, God put two trees in the Garden of Eden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of every tree and every plant you may eat, but you stay away from that one. God says, for in the day that thou eatest of that tree, you shall surely die. The thing that became crystal clear to me is I think that those of us who are believers, there are still two trees in the garden of our life. I believe today that those two trees still exist. Now, I'm not sure that those trees back there was an apple tree. I'm not sure it was a peach tree. I'm not even sure it was a real tree. Because a lot of things sometimes are spiritualized. But I know today that there is still two trees. Two trees that we may choose from. Two roads that we may take. Two spiritual trees, as it were. There is the tree of life. You eat of the tree of life. Jesus says, I am the bread come down from heaven. Not the bread that your fathers ate and died. I am the manna given from God. I am the life-giving source of God. Any man that eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall never die. This shall you know that you have eternal life. Not as your fathers died in the wilderness. Partake of me, the tree of life, the life of God. The Word of God became flesh as Jesus Christ was brought into this world. And I believe that there's another tree because we're always given a choice. We are free moral agents. You know what that means? That means God has given you the right to choose. I don't believe angels have the right to choose. I don't believe. I believe angels are programmed. Hear me out. They are programmed to worship and do God's bidding. I wasn't created to do God's bidding. I was created with something much nobler than that. I was created to be a son. I wasn't created to be a servant. You weren't created to be a servant. You were created to be a daughter. Devils do his bidding. Children tug at his heart. Guy says, I want something different. I got millions of them guys. I want something else. I want somebody that's going to pull on my heart. I want somebody that's going to love me for me. I want somebody that I can dote on. But you know what? And what's so awesome, that even in all of that, way back in the beginning of time, God says, you know what? I don't want my children just to serve me for whatever. I want them to choose to serve me. I want them to want to serve me. And right in the beginning of all of this love story of a father's heart, he gave us the power of choice. He gave our first parents the power of choice. Yes, he did. We cannot experience freedom, true freedom, unless we have the ability to choose it. What you choose becomes you. I've often said, I might not have much Christianity according to some people, but what I got, I own. What, I, what little I got is mine and it's real because I choose to do this and this and this. Way back, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve. God says, do not eat of that tree for the, the day that thou eatest in that tree thou shalt surely die. Why? Because that tree would open them up to possibilities that they were not created to handle. That would expose them to possibilities and choices that God did not create them and equip them to deal with. So he told them, stay away from that because that will expose you to something I never designed that you be exposed for. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Where did evil come from? 
Whoa, where? It came from, from Satan, from Lucifer himself. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that. Somebody interjected something, something that is evil. Stay away because you were never designed to deal with that. I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that when they ate of that tree or whatever happened, when they by transgression fell that they hid themselves because they realized they didn't have no clothes on. Now I want to tell you something. That's interesting. Because you know sexual sins plague our nation and our church. And it's no small understatement or unknown fact that in devil worship, sex plays a big part of that worship. Isn't that something? I thought, my goodness, that's just hit because you didn't realize you have any clothes on. It was a big deal, man. The big deal because they were exposed to something never, never designed to handle. Another way that they were never created to be even dealing with. So if we want to look at that this morning, we're going to take our text from Galatians 5, and I've got to hurry on because we're going to be out of time before too long. So maybe I can have an extra half an hour. Galatians 5, but I'm not going to read that yet because I want to give you a little background of Galatians first. Galatians, the people of Galatia, the people of Galatia, they were descendants of the Gauls. Now, if you know anything about the Gauls, they were warrior tribes. Many different warrior tribes they were. They were a thorn in the side of Rome. Rome could never fully conquer the Gauls because these dudes were mean. Another interesting thing about the Gauls, listen to this. They often, they're warriors, and these were fierce warriors in battle. It says that they hardly ever lost when these men went into battle. Rome would be all lined up. You know, Rome has some really good military formations. Rome was all discipline and order. And it says, imagine their terror when out of the woods and the surrounding hillsides would come these huge men. These Gauls were fierce and muscular. They were wielding swords. And the thing that marked them as very interesting is these men didn't wear clothes when they went into battle. That freaked me out. I'm like, are you serious? And I studied and, and commentary and different sources after different sources said that these warriors would often go into battle, not a stitch on. And I'm thinking, that would be different. That would be different. But now we're going to see where Paul's going with this when it comes to this weird stuff. They fought nearly naked. Their religion was extremely corrupt. They ran to the cutting of the flesh. They were into self-mutilization to appease their gods. They would take the warriors of, of their enemies and they would offer them in sacrifice to their God. They were good with blood sacrifices. Isn't that something? Israel's history, they knew about blood sacrifices too. See where we're going with this? There were some things that appealed to the Galatians because the Apostle Paul started that church sometime earlier. At least it sounded like the Apostle Paul started that church. The churches in the regions of Galatia. And he got them on firm ground. But then as so often happened, when Paul would plant a church and leave, these men who were called Judaizers, these men who were of Jewish origin, who had just enough of grace so they could operate as a Christian, but had a whole lot of law. So they were called Judaizers. Judaizers means of the law. Staying with the law. So when Paul would preach the message of grace to these people whose background was heathen, was blood sacrificed, was mutilating themselves, when Paul preached, you don't need to do that. 
God does not require sacrifice of your part like that. You do not need to mutilate yourself and to cut yourself and to offer a sacrifice like that. The blood of the Lord Jesus one time has offered a sacrifice. Man, they're like, that's right. We're good. They understood that symbolism. They bought right into grace. But then the Judaizers came along and says, uh, we need to instruct you a little bit more because that guy, Paul, you can ask everybody, he's a little different than the rest of us. He preaches a little different form of grace. See, the other apostles, they actually walked on the earth with Jesus. We've got to take Paul's word for it that he saw Jesus. <laughs> we, we, this man says he does. Now, now he, preaches a pretty, he preaches a decent gospel, but it's a little lower form of gospel than the ones we Jews preach. They came preaching circumcision. Oh, that's interesting. The cutting of one's flesh. You see where we're going with this? And when they heard, hmm. And they says, the Jew says, you got to keep certain holidays. Because God has set these holidays up, and they, they kept holidays in honor of their gods. See what happened? They started to get swayed from the grace that Paul preached in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, you, and, and, and these Judaizers says, you know, they says, this, this guy Paul, he, he's okay. He started you. Let us help you to finish strongly in the faith. And they began to buy into that and to become circumcised and started to keep the Jewish laws along with grace. And that's where we begin to come and understand why Paul preached freedom in Galatians 5.1. You can turn there. He says, and this whole book of Galatians, it is just written. He says in, earlier in the book, he says, I am, I am flabbergasted that you are so soon removed from the grace and the freedom that was in the Lord Jesus. I am, I am just, just astonished that you are so soon carried away from the liberty, back into bondage to laws and keeping of days and cutting yourselves in circumcision. Oh, I'll tell you, Galatians 5.1, I love that. Stand fast, therefore, in the freedom wherewith Christ hath made us free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Stop, stop, stop cutting on yourselves. You were saved from that. Yes, at one time, under the old law, we practiced that. But Jesus Christ has set us free. You are free. You are free. Do not become entangled again in the old ways of doing things. Because if you think you need circumcision to make you right, and you think you need the keeping of certain days, he said, you've just added something to Christ. You've just added something. And he says, let me tell you something. In Jesus Christ, you have everything you need for life and salvation. He says, then another place earlier in Galatians, he says, someone hath bewitched you, beguiled you, as a serpent beguiled Eve. You know how he did that. Yeah, God's pretty cool. Yeah. Did God say you shouldn't do this and that? Yeah. Well, I want to let you know something. He's keeping a little bit back from you. Because he knows that in the day you eat, you shall be as Eliam, Eliam, God, knowing good and evil. He began to plant that doubt. And Paul come in there, man, just like they did at Galatians. 
He says, who hath tricked you with treachery that you should believe that Jesus Christ, you need more than Him. You do not need more than Him, for you are complete in Him. You are complete. You do not need the keeping of days. You do not need to do rituals where you harm yourself. Christ's blood was poured out. He, once and for all, became an eternal sacrifice that forever shall exist. It's interesting. John, when he had a vision and he saw into heaven, I like what he says. He says, you know, he says he saw a lion of the tribe of Judah. Woo, lion. He's the king. King Jesus. But he says something else very interesting. Do you want to know if Jesus is still wounded in heaven? John says, I saw a lamb. I saw a lamb that looked beaten and bruised. I saw a lamb that looked wounded. Oh, Paul says, you know what? Be done with that stuff. We got one that entered in for us behind a veil, taking care of all them Jewish laws once and for all. Took it all, bore it all upon himself, and out of his body he poured grace that flows toward us. Grace. I'm telling you, man, that day I got saved, that was grace. Man, when I got up, I believe I was as clean and as pure and as free as I'll ever be. Now, I know I had this body. My spirit was as clean. When God moved in, I was as clean and as pure, and I knew it, man. That weight just, it was just, I just, it just, you know what he did? He took away all the handwriting of the ordinances that was against me. I was declared unfit. I was declared a a, a child that wasn't a true child. I wasn't a child of promise. I wasn't a child born of promise. I wasn't a child of this and this and this and all this high pedigree. And all of those writings were against me and says, you know what, Rich? You're nothing. You're nothing. And what's interesting, I was in a church and I didn't have pure Mennonite blood. So I already had a problem going on. Because, you know, back in Israel's history, it, it was just a little better if you were born Jewish. You could come in and be a Jew. That was pretty cool. But I'll tell you what. I know some guys that my old ministers and bishops, they would go into Washington, D.C., and they would meet with the, the, the generals and, and some, some army guys or whoever these, these soldiers were that would deal with the conscientious ejectors you know, to allow you the freedom not to serve in war. You could go to hospitals and stuff instead if you didn't believe in war. They went and met with that. There's a division of the government and the armed forces that deals with that and helps you to be exempt if you need to be exempt. This one man, Jesse Nunswander, awesome man of God. This guy lived in that. He, he grew up in, in the churches I grew up in, but somehow this, this preacher man stayed free of all this stuff. He, he didn't get admired in all the religion. He was still free. And he was one day talking to a guy there, a high up general, and his name, the, the guy, the general's name was Goldstein. And this Jesse Nunswander shook his hand and says, uh, Goldstein, he says, he says, I, by Goldstein, he says, you're Jewish, aren't you? And that general says, now here's general of our government, right? Of our armed forces, high up in our, in our armed forces. He says, yes, he says, I am a son of Abraham. That's pretty different. And guess what he said then? This blew me away. Guess what he said then? He says, yes, I am a son of Abraham, but Isaac was my father. 
not Ishmael. How do you like that? He knew who he was. He says, in other words, and they talked about it. He says, I am a son of promise. I'm not a son that was born of flesh. That's what, four stars, man, right here. And he's talking to this, this Mennonite guy, and he's telling him, I'm of royal seed. I'm like, dude. <laughs> now, all this to say, I didn't have Goldstein on my name. I wasn't a Miller or a Yoder. My name was La Riviere. Believe me, that stuck out like a sore thumb. I had to do like Paul and some of these other men. I had to excel in my Mennonite faith because I had to work my way up the ladder to make myself righteous because these guys were born to do this. I had to learn how to do it and program myself. And I spent years doing that. But imagine the day the Lord Jesus, when I walked away from all of them, was so disgusted I never was coming back. Imagine the day the Lord Jesus came to me and he says, you forget about all that Mennonite stuff. He said, I want you to be mine. And I'll tell you what, that was some freedom, man. I never forgot the sounds of that. That was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. That indeed was. <clears throat> so, Wow, I like that. I should have said that one too. Sometimes you got to look at your notes, man. I'm not note bound, but sometimes I need to look at them. I like this. You know, I said these Judaizers come down and they, they, they mix some works in with grace. Listen to this little thought I come up with. And Paul says, if you're working for your salvation, you ain't gracing. Okay, that, that really ministered to me. That ministered to I feel like pastor was here a little bit ago. Y'all ain't getting this. Let me do this again. Paul told these Galatians, if you're mixing works with that grace, if you're working, then you ain't gracing. All right, woo, finally. You know, I was listening this morning. No. We'll leave that. Okay. I'm all over. Oh, yes. Here's another good one. Listen to this. Many thousands of years ago, our first parents, oh, there's my picture up there. <laughs> Now I'm finally coming to my picture. Adam and Eve voluntarily gave up their freedom that they might be as Eliam. Now I know I'm not saying that word right. Because you heard me talking. I can't hardly speak English. And I have no hopes of speaking this Greek and Hebrew. But Eliam, you shall be as God. You know what's dumb about what the serpent told them? You shall be as God. What a lie. Jesus says he was a liar from the beginning. You know why that was a lie? Because look, they were already like God. They were created in his image. Let us, let Eliam, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, with our spirit within him. Let's make 
Let's make one like us. Let's create a son and a daughter. The devil come along, you shall be like him. What do you, what do you mean be like him? I'm already him. I'm already him. And here's what I wrote. Oh, I love this. The first breath that Adam drew was the breath of God. Isn't that beautiful? God breathed into his nostrils. That word nostrils is interesting. It means his nose, ports, but it also means his face. When God leaned over him and blew upon him like this, the first breath Adam drew was the breath of God. The devil comes along and says, you can be as God. Oh, man, why do we do that? We look at Adam and even say, you, you people, man, what's the matter with you? But how many times do we forget who we are? How many times do we forget who we are? How many times do we forget who lives in us? You know, our biggest problem with us as Christians is we see ourselves as a body housing a spirit. We need to see that different. We are a spirit with a body. We need to see ourselves really how we are. We are in the image of our Father. Jesus, Jesus shows us that. He argued with them. He argued with the Pharisees. They were arguing with him. People say, we can't say we're miniature gods. You know, the word does say we are miniature gods. The word does say that, and you better be okay with it. Because that's what it says, because Jesus says, doesn't your own scriptures even say, are ye not gods? And if you go and look at that, it's the same word that references God. How then do you argue with me that I call myself the Son of God? That's who you're supposed to be. Do you see how we forget? When Satan comes knocking, Gina was saying somebody needs to hear that over and over and over and over, that song. Perfect Father, He loves you. Knocking, when Satan comes knocking, the Word of God says He is an accuser of the brothers. He is an accuser, 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 accuser. You know, six years ago, I was in a little, a little, a little Pentecostal church, and I was sitting there in this little Pentecostal church, and I'm being as quiet as I can be because I don't want to be called out in that service. <laughs> because they're going to find out when they slap me and say, translate this, brother. They're going to be standing there a long time because I ain't going to be able to translate nothing. And, and I was sitting there. And this man, this man of God, he's ministering. All of a sudden he stops and he just looks at me. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? So I drop my eyes. You know how a, a German shepherd can feed? A, 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 stare down a dog. Some, sometimes you got to look away because he'll come after you. I drop my eyes. I ain't looking to be doing nothing here. I'm a visitor, man. He says, yeah, you. And I look back up. Yeah, you. Jesse was sitting right here. I'm like... He goes, nope. Guess what he told me? Amongst other things. He says, God is removing ministries, setting up new ministries, moving men around. He says, you need to do something, son. He said, I know you've been slow at your shop. How slow was we? We were so broke, honestly. We were so broke. Guess what that man of God said to me? He says, you know what? He says, begin to give God. Even as broke as you are, that man didn't even know me. The man never even seen me before. Man had no clue I was. He says, begin to give back to God. What's his? 
he says, so that the accuser, <laughs> the accuser doesn't get something on you and doesn't come against you before the Father. I'm like, well, I didn't think that stuff really happened. When that man spoke that, man, that stuff went deep into me, man. I told Allie, I don't know how we're going to do that because we don't have no money. Well, we started feebly to give. We started feebly to give. That was Sunday. I told Allie, we have to give, sweetie. I don't have to give. Go to work Monday, a guy walks in. Now, it doesn't always happen this fast, but this blew me away. This is how this is all bearing touch, because he said some other stuff in there about my future and where I was going and, and heading. And I think God bore testimony. Broke, man, flat busted. A customer comes and never saw this man before. He says, yeah, how much to wrap that truck there? And I looked, and, and I remember what this man said. This man says, don't cheapen your work. Stop discounting your work. How does man know all this? We were, we were getting half of what we used to get in prices. When I stood there and this man says, how much for that truck? I'm thinking $1,200. But then that word came to me and says, you know what? Put it out there. What do you get for that job? And I says, $2,500. He says, good, I got two of them. <laughs> I thought, praise God, we're on a roll now. That confirmed his word. I don't have no idea what I'm even saying that for. Other than the point is, do you see how that works? Nothing to accuse us of. Now, have I been tested since then? Over and over and over. Let me tell you something about God. If you think God brings you to easy street and you're just going to cruise on down the highway like a spoiled son and daughter and you're never going to have to feel the hardness of a father... You don't know who God is. It says, whom the Lord loves, what does He do? Let's just say what it says. He works them over. <laughs> he works them over. What's that mean? That means He allows us to go through hardness. He allows us to have to make a choice. I was again confronted with a choice. There's no money. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to give? Am I going to give to what His Word has already said? And now a servant of His has confirmed that Word, and now a miracle followed with blessing? Now again, there's another tree just planted in my path. The tree of life. I can choose to be in relationship with what God has said. I can choose life. I can choose His way. Or I can choose the knowledge of good and evil saying, hmm, there ain't enough money to do this. And I have to say a couple times, And a couple more. And a couple more. I failed. But you know what I like about God? He is a good God. He would just come back and just remind me. Didn't never beat me up. Never castigated me. Never said, you know what? You need to behave yourself, wretch. He says, remember the words of my testimony. Remember the words that I spoke. Remember what happens? We're in relationship I will never leave you and forsake you. And those verses became precious. And I still have those prophecies written in my Bible because they're precious. They're precious. But you know what? Accuser. Here's what I want to know. Oh boy, we've got to close. Yet God knowing all of this, 
Why would God ever entrust to us and to our first parents the awesome privilege of choice? God looked down through time and knew exactly what was going to happen. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. He was already. The plan was already into effect. What would possess God, even knowing all of that, to move as He did? Why would He still give us a choice, knowing the awful consequences and how bad? You don't have to go out that door very far till you can see awfulness and ruin all over the place. From the power of choice, you can choose freedom. But in our choices, we choose to be in bondage too often. Why would God ever give us a choice? I'll tell you why. Because God wanted sons and daughters. He already had angels. Oh, holy, holy, holy. He wanted sons and daughters who through an act of their own will, who through their love and devotion for Him, that when the money's tight, they still reach in there and pull it out because He is a good, good God and He will not let them hang. David himself said, now we say David was special. David went through so much stuff. God killed hundreds of thousands of people under David's reign because of David's sinfulness and all kinds of... David didn't spare that man a lot. David says, I have been young, now I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. There is seed begging bread. When you bow to the authority of the Almighty, He is who He says He is. He is who He says He is. Let every man be a liar. God stands true. Why would God ever allow us the power of choice? Because He wants sons and daughters. He wants them to choose to live for us. I told you about that boy. That son of mine. Now he says, boy, don't make you sound like a heathen so bad. <laughs> well, maybe not quite that bad. You know, sometimes the best thing that we can do for our children, I like what Elmer said. Elmer was speaking prophetically. We need to all hear this. At our meeting, he says, you know what? Sometimes the best you can do the best thing you can do is hand your child off to God. You will find out ultimately there is no finer choice in this world, as scary as that is. He breathed in their nostrils the breath of life. Like I said, I was crying out for this one boy. God actually rebuked me. I said, oh God, please, he's doing so good. Please protect him. Please, please, please don't. And God says, stop it. Do you actually think that you love him more than me? The Bible says different people put their hands over their mouth. They're like, whoop. No. I do not think that I love him more than you. But it's still hard. Because we, I say we don't know what can happen, but then we do know what can happen. Because God can do what God needs to do. They told me, now I know we have free will, but God can bring you right up to the brink of your free will to get you saved. Do you ever notice that? Because I got saved coming into the kingdom when I was arguing with him. And I got born into the kingdom. But see, the last words that left my mouth, you'll have to do it. Because I can't. And that's something as a heathen, an acknowledgement of his sovereign will. That's all he needed, man. Here, this is yours. Bam. Out it came. Okay, I got to get done now. All right. He wanted more than a program angel. He wanted sons and daughters. He had angels to do his bidding. He wanted sons and daughters that would tug at his heart. 
that would tug at his heart. He knew that he needed to give us the freedom to walk away. In order to have a relationship, you've got to be able to free a person. What kind of relationship is it if you've got to keep them in a cage? Okay, I love Allie so much, I put her in a cage <laughs> where she can't get away from me. She has to do what I want and eat what I give her because here it is. What kind of relationship is that? The only way our marriage is free and can actually grow and blossom is she's got the power to walk away if she so chooses. That is exactly how it is with God. The power to walk away. But God was looking for sons and daughters. Now here's my grandbabies. And you can tell, I'm glad you don't go to hell for being proud. Because I'm a proud grandpa. But these children have taught me, and my children have taught me more about the ways of God and, and God's dealings with us. See, we're there at the mall. Now, they're showing their nice little toys. I told Allie, I don't know why I always end up in the center of the picture. <laughs> there I sit, proud. That day at the mall, they could have went swimming. They could have stayed at home. They could have went with their parents. But guess what they chose to do? They chose to be with me. Do you see where God's going with this freedom? Do you see where Paul's saying, you've been given freedom. Do you know what you've been given? Don't go back to that. Do you know what you've been given? God has given you freedom. You have been given freedom. You have been given a new start. It says the ordinances, has He taken away? He cleaned the slate. You're free. Them children... They could choose to be any place they wanted. Guess what they chose? They chose to be with me. So guess what I do? I do like God does. I gather them around me. Oh, pity the person. I'm telling you what. I think we need to have some classes one of these days on how to get to know God. Because if you don't hear your father whispering over you, I'm telling you what, it is awful to live without his voice. I gather my children around me. That's how God does. He gathers... He gathers, I gather my grandbabies around me, and they like hanging out with me. I like hanging out with God because God is so good to me. He tells me such awesome things. You know what he tells me? He tells me I'm the apple of his eye. He tells me I'm his bestest one. He tells me that he just loves me. Even when I've been wrong, guess what he tells me? It's all okay. We'll do it better. He don't wham, 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 and, and pummel me down. He builds me up. My grandchildren hang out with me because I take them with me. We do things together. God wants to do stuff with us. You've been given the freedom. You're not in bondage anymore. Use your freedom to live fully in the Father's presence. You know, God, God just pursues us. Pursues, He runs toward us. Remember that story of the prodigal? That is a story of God. They call it the prodigal son. It ain't about the son at all. It's about the father. The whole story is about the father. Isn't that interesting? He saw him from afar off. Why did he see him from afar off? He's looking for his boy. You know, most people don't know this. At 16 years old, I ran away from home, left home. My mom begged my dad to stop me. Do you know what my dad did? We sat there, he says, if he wants to go, we need to let him go. 
I thought that was easier than I thought. <laughs> mm, my mom bawling her eyeballs out. One room in that family for two bowls. Could only be one. My dad says, you know what? We love you, but if you want to go, we're going to let you go. They left me going out into the night I went, and it was cold. I didn't think through this because I was a hothead. <laughs> I went to my friend's place, and I knocked on his door, and he says, nope, you ain't coming here. I said, we're friends. He says, you can't live here. You ain't got no job. Get out of here. So I went on down the street and laid alongside a building there, just freezing to death, man. Freezing to death for a couple hours. Must have been a couple hours. Freezing, man. I'm thinking, man, Rich, are you an idiot, man? In my father's house, it was pretty nice. After a while, I heard a car door slam. And around the corner come my father. And he walked right over to me. I said, what are you doing here? He said, I've come to get you, son. He said, you know what? He says, it don't matter. He says, we'll work it out. We'll do whatever it takes. He says, look at you. He says, you want to live like this? He says, I tried to. He said, that's no life to live. He said, I've come to take you home. Guess what this old boy did? <laughs> I ran. I asked my daddy. About a week later, I says, how did you know where I was? He said, I followed you. Isn't that beautiful? I followed you. He says, and then, because I was in a car, he says, I mean, I was walking. He was in a car. He says, but when I was afraid you would see me, he says, I turned off. He said, I lost sight of you. He said, but I went around to your friends' houses, and I asked where you might be, pursuing me. You see where I'm going with this? He knew that for our relationship to work, he had to allow me the freedom to walk out of that house. And that's exactly what God does with us. It was an act of awesomeness on his part. He wasn't cruel in the garden when he planted two trees. He wanted sons and daughters who would love him for him. He wanted knowing you're going to make a wrong choice. But he wanted you to know that, you know what, he's bigger than your wrong choices. He's bigger than your wrong choices because he's your father. And he's looking out for you. And he doesn't care how far you go and how far you run. He's pursuing you. And he's coming for you. I'm telling you, the sooner you come, the sooner you can climb in your daddy's car and go home where it's warm. I walked in there, man. I was like, it was pretty, pretty good. But I never forgot that story. The father, he was looking for his boy. And you know what? I didn't get near done what I wanted to get done, but I got done enough. Because God's given us the awful, the awful power of choice to choose life and choose freedom. What are you doing with what He's given you? Sure. You can say, you know, it don't matter. He'll love me anyway. And He will. But He knows your choices bring hardness to you. Me and Allie, we deal with our children. Another boy, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. But some choices... Woo! We see the end of that choice. Our parental heart is pulled to stop. But you know what? There's only relationship when we allow them to make a wrong choice. And God allows you to make a wrong choice. That's your freedom. You're not an angel. 
your daughters and sons. But I'll tell you what, your father's made it easy to come back to him. Let's all stand. Won't you come back to him? If you're here, I'm not going to give no altar call. God has already spoken. He's waiting. He's pursuing. He wants you to come home. It's as simple as that. We don't need to do fancy. When I got saved, I was outside my shop laying on the pavement with the cars driving back and forth on McIntosh Road. Just me and God. And I said, Lord, you know what? I can't do it. He says, I'll do it. And I've been on that road ever since. Just as I pray, just open your hearts up and say, Father, I love you. Lord, I'm glad that in the midst of all this powers of choice and freedom you've given me, that even when I make wrong choices, your heart is still toward me. Your heart is always toward me. It's always pointed in my direction. God, I thank you that as Jesus has said, he will never leave you and forsake you. Father, we turn our hearts again toward you this morning. We turn our hearts towards you again this morning, Father. We're coming home. Yeah, we did some choices. They weren't all, all good, God. But you don't care. You just want us to be around you and in your presence. Father, we come. We come. We stand now in your presence. We enjoy the aroma of your presence. We smell your cologne, God. Father, I've often climbed onto your lap and sat there and felt the strongness of your embrace. Father, may my brothers and sisters feel those same arms of strength and embrace, God, and let them know. Break in upon them and let them know that you are, as we sang, a good, good Papa. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We glorify you because you alone are worthy of our worship. And we thank you that you always love us and that you never tire of us. Oh God, I thank you. You never tire of us. And Lord, I thank you for my brother Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what he's called. He's called my brother. And Father, the presence of your spirit. Oh God, we got it good. I thank you for this. We pray. Amen.